Blessings in Jesus, everyone. Welcome to our study through the book of Acts. Today we are going to begin with chapter 1 and have a little bit of an introduction. But before we start, let's go ahead and bow our hearts before the Lord and seek Him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for this opportunity to be able to study your word together through the internet, to be able to communicate your word to people from all over the world. Father, we ask that you would meet us now in the power and the presence of your spirit and that you would illuminate your word to us and that you would help us to understand the glory and the meaning of your word. I pray, Father, that the word today would be the meat to our souls and that we would be nourished by your word. Father, help us to not only be hearers only, but doers also. Empower us with a confidence and a knowledge of who you are by your word so that we might preach the gospel and be witnesses to the lost in this world and be better encouragers of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we ask all this in the beautiful and wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open to the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts is very unique in many ways, but it's written by Luke, the same author from the Gospel of Luke. And it's also written to the same person, Theophilus, which means lover of God. But most suspect that this is going to be written somewhere in the realm of 60 to 62 AD. It's also something to do with maybe part of the legal background proceedings that Paul had to have with his appeal to Caesar, which we'll see later on at the end of Luke. But, or the end of Acts. The book of Luke actually starts with what Jesus did. Acts is going to be more so what the apostles did. And this is called the Acts of the Apostles, but in a sense, it really has to do more with Peter in the first 12 chapters and Paul and the remainder, and a little bit of the deacon uh, Philip. And you'll see some of the other apostles mentioned, like James in Acts 15. But in reality, it's Peter and Paul. And there's a reason behind that, which we'll get to. Now, the other aspect to see is that chapter 1 is really sort of an intro. The, the real beginning of Acts is going to be chapter 2 with Pentecost and so forth. Now, another thing I want to bring out is the subject of the book of Acts is Jesus Christ himself. It's not the Holy Spirit. We know from John 14, 26 and 16, 13 that the Holy Spirit guides us and points us to Jesus Christ. He never points to himself. Even in the typology of the Old Testament, these unknown names, unnamed servants, okay? That's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He points us to Jesus. So the subject of the book of Acts is Jesus Christ, not the Holy Spirit. We know that from verse 1. So let's begin with verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, this former treatise connects the Gospel of Luke, the same thing. He's writing to the same person, Theophilus, meaning lover of God or maybe loved of God. But we're lovers of God and we're loved of God. So in a sense, he's writing this to you and I too. It's sort of a play on words, uh, which happens a lot in the scripture. But notice how it says Jesus began both to do and to teach. In other words, it began because he's still doing it. It's not done. He's still doing this work and teaching through the bride of Christ. Verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, this is the resurrection, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Now he gave them orders, instructions, he taught them things. He says in verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, after suffering on the cross, by many infallible proofs 
being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So here we have the mentioning of the forty days. We see that all throughout the scripture, and Luke is bringing that out again, forty days. And we know that there's going to be a 10-day gap period between the time that Jesus ascends and the coming down of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost in Acts 2. And that number 10 is a very important one as well. And this echoes back to the uh, Leviticus 23 with the feasts of Israel and so on. But because, you know, Pentecost is one of the feasts. If you didn't know, Leviticus 23 is a good co-text to go back and look at that, how Jesus fulfills the feasts of the Old Testament Mosaic law under Leviticus 23. But nonetheless, he tells them he's, t- he's talking to the, the apostles. He educated them about the kingdom of God. We'll see that again in verse 6 too, but the kingdom of God. If you want to see more of what happened at, at his resurrection, you can look at 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about over 500 witnesses of the resurrection. But nonetheless, let's continue on. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from then that ye shall be baptized. He's talking to them. They're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. When they, therefore, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Notice how it's a connection to Israel. You know, they just still didn't get it. The apostles didn't understand. They were, when are you going to set up the millennium kingdom? When are we going to, to begin this process They wanted Jesus to fulfill the Davidic prophecies of coming as like the son of David. Remember, this first coming, he comes as the son of Joseph, the suffering servant. And then in his second coming, he will come as the son of David, the conquering king. And so they were saying, well, when are we going to set up the kingdom of Israel? They still didn't get it. They still didn't understand. And it takes them some time to slowly grasp this. Peter has to have a situation happen with a vision for him to understand some more as well. But nonetheless... That's how that's how it goes. He says in verse 7, And ye said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put into his own power, but ye shall receive power. Power to what? To preach the gospel. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Remember, the apostles received the Holy Spirit in John twenty twenty two. What he's talking about here is that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is going to come down on Pentecost, which we will see, and he's going to empower the church to continue the ministry that Jesus started to preach the gospel, to be a witness, to spread the good news. And that's going to be something that we'll see all throughout the book of Acts. Remember, the power is preaching the gospel. That's where it comes from as far as the power. Let's look at that, if you will, and we'll go over to Romans. He says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. The power is preaching the word of God, the gospel. Now, 
he goes on to say that there'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is something that it would appear that they didn't really move out of Jerusalem to go out into the uttermost parts of the world. And that begins with the ministry that Paul begins as well. And we see that going on with the different missionaries that he has throughout the book of Acts. But in other words, the uttermost parts of the earth is a Jewish idiom for Gentile world, which we'll know, we'll learn that Paul is going to be the apostle to the Gentiles, just as Peter is the apostle to the circumcision, to the Jews. So let's let's see if we missed anything here. We'll go to verse... Yeah, so remember that in verse 7, he says, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. The times and the seasons. It's not that we shouldn't be concerned with eschatology, that we shouldn't seek these things out. But he's saying, keep your focus on preaching the gospel. The epistles talk about keeping uh, sound doctrine, speaking sound doctrine. Okay, it, it, has, it does not mean that he's telling them to not look at eschatology. Jesus taught eschatology in the Mount of Olives throughout the Gospels. The Many of the epistles talk about eschatology. The book of Revelation talks about eschatology. The book of Daniel, eschatology. Many of the books of the Old Testament do as well. So he's not saying, don't focus on eschatology. It's not a big deal. He's saying, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the kingdom of Israel will be restored. Okay? So anyway, let's continue on a little bit. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Literally, while he was in conversation, while he was speaking these things, while he was talking to them, he was taken up, he ascended into heaven, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The cloud, you know, could be that same cloud that traveled with them coming out of Exodus, that that pillar, that cloud, okay? Uh, the glory of God is often seen there. You know, the witnesses are are called like a cloud in heaven. So there's different allusions. You know, some might say, well, you know, those those people who came out of their tombs after Jesus uh, resurrected. Okay, remember when he died on the cross, the tombs of the the saints of old were open and they became alive. And so maybe the the, the witnesses were going up with Jesus, and perhaps that's part of the cloud, the witnesses there as well. And it comes back on a cloud. It's the same thing the angels will tell us. But nonetheless, it definitely has to do with something with the glory of God in the cloud. But I say all that just to get you your appetite wet, to go to look that up a little bit. Watch the cloud when you study eschatology. Verse 10, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Are these two angels? Notice the two men. We see the two men all throughout the scripture. Right, the two men that were with the angel of the Lord when he was talking to Abraham before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Um, so we see these two men coming back in white of pearl. We see them look like men at the tomb of Jesus and so on. He says in verse 11, he says, Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as he have seen him go into heaven. The same like manner, a cloud. 
We're going to see the cloud happening again, is what he's pointing out. This same Jesus. Notice the emphasis is on this same Jesus. Not another Jesus, not some other character. He's going to come in this way, and it's going to be the same Jesus. So, now we're going to go into the upper room. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, or roughly about three, three quarters miles, uh, 3,000 feet or so, um, that they're seeing. So, so their Jerusalem would not be a safe place for them. They re, but they, they returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Mount of Olives, which is from Jerusalem about a Sabbath day journey. So he says in verse 13, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Philip, the apostle, not the deacon, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simeon, and Simeon the zealot, and Judas, the brother of James, and all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So this is the last mention of Mary that we'll see in the scripture, the last actual mention of Mary. She plays no more major role in the church. Despite what Roman Catholicism tries to teach us, she has no other role than this. Other than the uh, the Jewishness of the responsibility that Jesus gave to the Apostle John to take care of his mom. That's it. So, now he says, of course, now they're in one accord. They're praying together. They have a prayer meeting. They're in their upper room, and they're praying. Okay? Verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. So 120 disciples. All right, so remember, this doesn't mean just because Peter stood up that he's the sole authority. In fact, you would have more of a case to make that it was James who leads the council in Jerusalem in Acts 15. But nonetheless, Peter's going to have an important role in the beginning here of the church. It doesn't mean he's the Pope, despite Roman Catholicism and so on. And you'll notice throughout this study through the book of Acts, we're going to have to bring up uh, heretical teachings and things that are not sound doctrine, so that we can contrast them with the Word of God, and that you can see the correct viewpoint in context with co-text, so that you can help you to refute those false doctrines and to lovingly share the truth of God's Word with people who are caught up in other practices that are not from the Word of God, that are heresy. Now, let's continue. So we got the 120 here. Peter stands up. Now, verse 16, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. This is going back in, uh, to Psalm 69, 25. You can see it um, in Psalm 109 even. But verse 17, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry, now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Judas was thrown over the wall into the valley of Hinnom, or Gehenna. And so that's what we're seeing him talk about here. The same idea. He purchased, he purchased a field, Matthew 27 and 7 through 8. 
And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in their proper tongue, a kaledema, Aramaic, that is to say, the field of blood. Little Kotex background with that, with this area here is Psalm 69, 25 and Psalm 109, 8, as we mentioned. Now, verse 20 says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let an overtake him. Position or office, as, as the King James is there, uh, episcopi. Now, verse 21, Wherefore, of these men, which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So they accompanied Jesus in his earthly ministry. He says, verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John. So he's laying down the credentials now to bring in the 12th apostle. Because remember, Judas is now in headlong into Gehenna, which is a picture of hell. And so he's seeing that now we need another apostle. But they have to have been around from the beginning of the baptism of John. So the Apostle Paul does not and would never have qualified for that. He's not part of the 12 apostles as they are. He's another apostle born out of due time. Now he says, finishing verse 22, Unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So they have to witness the resurrection. They have to have been with him since the time of the baptism of John. And they appointed two. Also only two here are meeting this criteria. Joseph called Barasabas, or son of the son of the Sabbath, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. Matthew is that uh, gift of Jehovah, if you will, Matthias in the uh, in the Aramaic. So in Hebrew. Verse twenty four. And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. So it shows that he wasn't saved. He was destined for the lake of fire forever. Verse 26, And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So, they cast lots. What does that mean? That was a way in the Old Testament that before the church, that's how the people of God would communicate with God. They would cast lots because we know from Proverbs sixteen thirteen that the lot is up to God. He's the one actually making the decision. But it's important to know that the church has not been born yet. This isn't the procedure for the church of Jesus Christ today. This isn't what we do. The birth of the church happens in chapter two. It hasn't happened yet. Chapter 1 is more of an introduction into the book of Acts. So they're operating on the way they would have operated in the Old Testament. And so because the church hasn't been born yet, that is how they're acting. When the Holy Spirit comes down and the church is born, it's totally different. Things are changed. Now some have said that they they maybe acted too soon or they they should have waited for Paul or somebody else. That's not that's not valid in the word of God. Because if that was the case, if the word of God is true and it says that every lot is according to God in Proverbs 16, 33, 
then God wouldn't have allowed either of them to be chosen. He would have struck them dead or intervened in some way. He doesn't. He allows Matthias to be part of the 12 apostles, which is a an important number, the 12, on purpose, just like there are 12 tribes of Israel, or maybe 13. And we'll cover that as we go. But it's important that there's 12, but there's 13. Just like there's 12 apostles, but there's 13 when you bring Paul into the mix. But 12 is the number, and that's important. We see that whole 12, 13 thing pop up at eschatology from Genesis. Remember that Jacob actually adopts Joseph's two sons. And so they're brought in to the tribes of Israel and a whole bunch of other things and changing about names. And I, I mentioned that stuff in passing to hopefully get you an appetite to study those things out, study those scriptures. You know, throughout this whole process of studying the book of Acts, we're going to come up against a lot of heresies. We're going to come up against a lot of doctrines that are being taught today that are blatantly incorrect and scripturally unfounded and quite frankly, out of context. So one of the things we want to do is be very careful to not go beyond what is written, to not read into the scripture our own presupposition, but to actually Look at the plain, simple meaning of the Word of God and see what is being said. And go where it takes us. If they're quoting in the Old Testament, we go there. If they're bringing up other themes, we follow those themes. And that's how we interpret the Scripture, with Scripture. And so that's an important aspect as we go through the book of Acts and continue to study. So right here in the beginning, we have Jesus He's teach he those forty days that he was here on earth. He taught his followers. He taught the apostles what they're going to need to know to write the rest of the scripture. Things that he has commanded them at the end of Matthew that they're going to go teach and do these things. We're going to see as he ascends into heaven, right? We're going to see a ten day gap on the on the fiftieth day is Pentecost, and we're going to see a ten day gap period where these these are going to be praying and they're going to be seeking the Lord in the upper room. Now they've added the 12th member back into the 12th. So now the 12th is a solidified group. And Judas has completely been replaced and so on and so forth. So let's see if there's anything else in my notes that I want to cover in chapter 1. Yeah, that looks like chapter 1 is wrapped up. Now, I encourage you, if you have any questions, if I said something that really just sparked your attention or if you need more clarity on, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can find us on the Bible in Context Ministries page. It's the Bible in Context on Facebook. And you can also send us an email. The email address is on that page as well from there. You can visit us at philippians19.org and contact us that way as well. So I encourage you, if you have questions, reach out, leave them in the comments below. And also, don't forget, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and share our channel as well. The Book of Acts is going to open up in an incredible, beautiful adventure through the beginning and birth of the Church of Jesus Christ. So I'm excited to continue in Chapter 2 in our next video. But I hope that was encouraging to you and blessed you and that you are encouraged to study the book of Acts and see what it has in store for us. So until next time, press on in Jesus and we'll talk very soon.